If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil like Castrol Edge can help your engine get more miles. Right now, you can get five quarts with an STP Extended Life oil filter for only $36.99. Get started on your next job today with the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. This is the Steelers Preview Show on WDVE Pittsburgh, presented by Unibet. The only thing better than a Steelers win is a Steelers win that pays. Double down on your team with Unibet, proud partner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here are your hosts, Mike Brzezuda, Matt Williamson, and Merrill Hodge. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship 102.5 DVE and SNR. I am Mike Pursuta, joined as always by Matt Williamson of Steelers.com and SNR. Merrill Hodge will be joining us for the second segment, as Merrill always does. And I know Merrill is especially excited tonight to talk about this Atlanta running game, Matt, which is, I guess, as diverse as it is effective. Well, it's the focus of their team. Let's just put it that way. I mean, they're as run-heavy as you will see in the league today. Any stat you look at, it's the Bears and the Falcons at the top of the league, run-pass percentage, anything you look at. And to their credit, I mean, Arthur Smith, their head coach, was the offensive coordinator with the Titans. He wants to Derrick Henry you to death, and he doesn't have Derrick Henry, but he realizes he also doesn't have a lot of talent on his roster, too, and you run the ball as voluminous as they do. I like that word with the run game nowadays. Yeah, I mean, Voluminous. Voluminous, yeah. That is a good word. Yeah, and uh, it, it narrows the playing field a little bit, and, and it's worked for the most part. Yeah, Atlanta's the uh, fourth uh, team in the NFL in rushing. Of course, they rank that by yards mm-hmm. per game. Steelers are sixth in run defense up from last a year ago. But I, right. guess, I guess we'll find out if that improvement is legit or not. What to That's expect- the whole key of the game. Yeah. I mean, just a, just a cut to the chase, yeah. What to expect is brought to you by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. And, Matt, I expect the team that wins that matchup, the Pittsburgh run defense right. versus the Atlanta run offense, Wins the game. Pretty much. I mean, there's a couple things that worry me about this game in that short week on the road against a very highly physical team. Is fatigue going to set in and, you know, you stop the run for three quarters? Because these guys never go away from it. I mean, they played the Bengals a couple weeks ago. We're losing by a million, and they're still running the ball 70% of the time. I saw them play Tampa when I was uh, prepping the Bucs before the the Bucs-Steelers game. It was 21 to nothing deep into the second half, and they were still running the ball. Heavily. And, that, and they got it back to 21-15. Yeah, and, and, and that's the only thing they do well, really. Had a shot to get the ball back at the end, couldn't do it. But yep. uh, let's take a look at the uh, injury report, or okay. more accurately, the practice participation report from today. Miles Boykin, full participant for the Steelers for the second game in a row. He's been uh, a, a special teams contributor Yes, And coming off of that mess against the Colts where they gave up over 200 kickoff return yards, Cordero Patterson has nine career. He's only the best ever. Take it to the house returns. Yeah. And uh, their punt returners first in the league. 
No, I missed uh, miss that. I, yeah, I, I was um, focused on Cordero. I believe that is um, – I'm throwing a blank on the name. Okay. Uh, it's well, the other running back. Um, it's not Huntley, is it? No, it is not Huntley. A, it a is um, Avery Williams. Oh, okay. Well, certainly but, kickoff coverage yeah. is my other big concern for this game. Atlanta can return the ball. Yeah. So they need all help to get there. Uh, no Najee Harris for the second day in a row today. No Akella Witherspoon for the second day in a row. Uh, Miles Jack did not practice today. Knee, he was limited yesterday. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi did not practice today. Toe, he was limited yesterday. Hopefully these are just kind of easing a veteran mm-hmm. through a, a short week. Can I ask you a quick question? Be- sure. Because of the Monday night game, I was under the impression that Wednesday practice was incredibly light. And would, this is more like a Wednesday practice today. So maybe they'll err on the side of caution with some of these give guys. And just give it one hard look tomorrow. Yeah. Um, Jalen Warren, a full participant uh, both days so far this week. Good. So he said he's coming back. He helps kick coverage, uh, too. He, he was Boykin, on the kickoff yeah, coverage yeah. team. Minka Fitzpatrick, a full participant. He's dealing with some ribs. Uh, Robert Spillane limited the last two days of bleak. They may need all the inside linebackers. They can get their hands on Mason Cole, also limited today, as long as as well as T.J. Watt. I think they were uh, airing on the side of caution in a lot of cases. Nothing too significant on Atlanta's injury report, other than uh, their left guard uh, Chuma Doga mm-hmm. did not practice today. He's uh, been dealing with a knee. He did not play last Sunday against the Washington Commanders, and uh, they've had to use. Uh, Guy by the name of Colby Gossett was the left guard against Washington. He was the fourth left guard Atlanta has used in the last five games. Hmm. I didn't realize it was that much. Including it was it was Gossett's there, right? second go around at it. So uh, he's one of them. Yeah, they've had a hole in the line there, but uh, it doesn't stop him from trying to run the ball. But no, uh, we're going to say that a lot. Yeah, we'll get into that in more detail with Merrill. But what I wanted to really sink uh, our teeth into in this first segment, Matt, is the Steelers' offense because mm-hmm. believe it or not. It's getting better. Getting better. Uh, we talked to Matt Canada today down on the south side, as we always do, uh, coordinator Thursday, and he was talking about the progress they're making. And I, I think it was legitimate, uh, yeah, you know, observations on legitimate progress. I mean, uh, you look at what they've done in the last several games since the bye, maybe just a little bit before. Uh, now, these numbers are not going to threaten the greatest show on turf or Air Coriel. Or but considering you know, any of the was, track meet yes, offenses right, we've right. seen over the years, but uh, relatively speaking, for the Steelers, these are significant improvements. Three hundred uh, plus three hundred in total net yards in five straight games. That happened twice in the first six games. Okay, hundred yards rushing as a team in four straight. That happened two times in the first seven games. Uh, Thirty-three, sixteen, or more in time of possession in four of the last five. That happened once in the first six. Yeah. 20 or more points in three straight. That happened three times in the first eight games. No turnovers in three straight games. They had 14 of those before the bye. Uh, Three or fewer penalties on offense in two of the last three. That happened one time in their first eight games. Uh, 22 or more first downs in two of the last three. That happened once in the first eight games. That's an important statistic. And uh, 50% or better on third down in two of the last three. They were two for eight. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I, these are all the indicators that you're starting to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know all those, but they all add up. Um, to take your rushing number up a notch, too. I mean, over the last four games, 
they average 158 yards on the ground. I mean, average. I mean, and Pickett contributes with that, of course, but so does Mariota and Fields and some of these other teams that run the ball like crazy. Doesn't take anything away from it. And taking pressure off your quarterback with a run game, I think, is the biggest difference. And I also think it's interesting, and I'm not saying Chase Claypool was the problem because he wasn't, but post-Claypool, they're putting a lot more bigger bodies out there. It looks like they're auditioning guys for that fifth skill guy position, and they're they're throwing a little more variety in terms of personnel at you. Yeah, we saw some Cody White, uh, yeah, not right, just right. on special teams by necessity, but he was offensively. Like the, I thought he was like the Michelob Ultra version of Boykin, you yeah, know, the, the big body blocker receiver guy. You know, uh, Gunnar Olszewski was not a big mm-hmm. guy, but he was he was blocking. Around, yeah, threw a nice block on the Benny Snell run, uh, mm-hmm. the two yard touchdown that won the game. Yeah, it, Watt and Hayward, not the defensive guys. You know, they're out there a fair amount as well. You know, you don't want to say Claypool was the problem, but he wasn't the solution either, was he? Right, and I always thought. The day he got drafted, I I got a million tweets. Williamson, can you quit talking about how good he was on special teams and how he throws his body around and blocks? And I was excited about him. Well, he didn't do that here, especially a lot not the last couple of years. Yeah, the and, first year he was kind of as advertised, right. and then I don't know what happened after that. Uh, TikTok and whatnot, or <laughs> who knows? But he, you'd think he'd be a big slot out there throwing his body around. And I think the others got the message that, hey, we need that from everybody, and it's helped. Uh, the interception thing is uh, obviously huge. Yes. And uh, Kenny Pickett talked about that a little bit the other day, and I had to agree with him when he said, yeah, I'm trying to take care of the ball, but I also understand that I'm paraphrasing him here. Some of the eight picks were circumstantial. In other words, he couldn't have been unluckier. Yeah, he wasn't right. throwing into triple coverage or, oh, my God, didn't you see the right. safety? Like, it wasn't uh, blind of, you know, right. Claypool, his first pass in the NFL, a deep ball, Big wide receiver on a safety, and instead of high-pointing it, Claypool tipped it, low-pointed it, tipped it, and it gets picked. That shouldn't have happened. 100%. Hail Mary. another one Claypool fell on. Hail Mary against the Jets. The one in Miami where he got interfered with Claypool did fell down. That turned into a pick. The one in Philadelphia is trying to hit Fryermuth when they're losing by 100 points in the fourth quarter, and they're just throwing it all over the yard because what else are you going to do? Yep. Um, I had three what I would call bad interceptions for Pickett. Yes. Uh, I hated the Holland one. The, well, the throw to Fryermuth in the Jets game when they were trying to run the clock out. And oh, that was the bad. play yeah, was yeah. messed up. And yeah. it was only going to be a one yard gain anyway. He should have just thrown that There's one away. There's nothing to gain there. Right, right. He said at the time, I just wanted to put it where only Pat could get it. Well, he did, except nobody factored in that Pat Fryermuth would tip it up and the Jets would get it. Mm-hmm. And then the two in Miami. Yeah, um, the, two in Miami. The, the first one I thought. You know, a guy who can really sling it and zing it could have gotten it in there, mm-hmm. but he was late. And, the, and it hung up a little bit. Too. Yeah. It came so out of his hands kind of weird. Yeah. Bad throw. And then the the last uh, bad decision where he should have run and, mm-hmm. and extended the drive. But he kind wasn't forced it. Yeah. You know, he wasn't ready to win a game then, apparently, but he was uh, Monday night in Indianapolis. 100%. And, uh, it's really starting to look like I think they envisioned it, particularly with the two uh, big plays, Pickett to Pickens. Mm hmm. And I, I don't want to, you know, overblow George Pickens at this juncture, but that third nine after they had come out for the second half with a 16-3 lead, oh, all the biggest of a, play of the game. The fourth quarter is starting, and you're losing 17 to six. You've gone three and out twice. Yeah. The place is going crazy. I mean, and it smells like the Bengal game again. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, right. I mean, you know. here's the context. 
the Colts got booed off the field at halftime, mm-hmm. and in between the third and fourth quarter, they're singing John Cougar songs. <laughs> I mean, it was party time. Yeah, right, and, right. Oh, we're going to win. And, yeah, and, and it looked like the again, Steelers yeah. are going to fall apart. And that nine-yard play where Pickett slides out of the pocket. He has Love to, that part, yeah. A veteran, you know, not a scramble, but just a slide to reset the With window. His eyes downfield. Yep. Then he got his shoulders back around mm-hmm. and set himself and made a great throw, and Pickens makes a diving catch. That extends what turns out to be the game-winning drive. And then the two-point conversion was kind of night at the improv, mm-hmm. but it's just two really good players using their athleticism and their instincts and their football IQ and hooking up for a two-point conversion that gave you some nice breathing room yeah. from the standpoint of, okay, well, if the Colts score a touchdown, then they're going to have the decision to go for two, or all they can do is tie it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two monstrous plays. The first yeah. one you described I thought was the play of the game. It really stopped the bleeding. Um, and I also think it – Inspires confidence too. Like, oh, I know this quarterback can do that. I mean, I've seen Ben do it eight thousand times. You know, I mean, and this guy can do that as well. Um, I do think they're developing something. I don't think it's just the two of them. I think Deontay's in the doghouse with a lot of Steeler fans, and I, I think he's being a little unjustly punished by that. I, I would think, agree. You know, although you should have caught open. that one the other night. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he has some drops. I will always acknowledge that, but he gets open more than anyone on the team. Yeah. I think Fryer moves And I wish he would stop too. running backwards when he catches. That's a problem as well. I don't quite get that. I but. think it's a guy pressing and trying to do too much. He, I asked him that very question Rel, yesterday. Really? I was going to ask you about that. He said, nah, that's not it. Um, but he also said he is trying not to let his stats define him. He's trying to be a teammate and a leader, mm-hmm. and you saw that when Pickens had that critical drop. Uh, okay. Well, maybe you didn't see it, but I don't know if it was on TV or not. But I don't uh, remember, yeah. Both Pickett and Johnson went over. He was in another area code on the bench, you know, sitting there with his head down, yeah. and those guys went over and picked him up. Okay. Like, hey, That's we're going to need you. The yeah, game's right, not right, over. Right. You know, Good. I mean, head in the game. Um I Amazingly, think, he's one of the old guys on the offense. <laughs> you know, which I think Deontay Johnson is, is serious about trying to be a good teammate, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I respect that from him. But boy, I think if you know the offense is kind of lurching in the right direction, absolutely. If they could get Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson going, right? Then it might be. I think really Johnson's actually more important something. because you know we saw fresh legs last week, and I'm excited to see Warren. And that's not discrediting Harris, but I mean, if Johnson can. Get a little luckier or, you know, just a, a smidge more would go a really long way. Um, quick note on him, too. Like, the Bengals two weeks ago that see the Steelers all the time, they treat him like the number one. I mean, the teams that know the Steelers, and when you watch the All-22, teams fear Johnson because they see him getting open all the time, which is not discrediting Pickens at all. But he opens up stuff for others, and the Bengals game is a really good example. Pickett, uh, Kenny Pickett, yeah. is starting to throw the ball down the field a little bit more. Yep. And the other big take I had out of the Indy game was, uh, and I was carping about this on the morning show a little bit, his escapability is valuable, but it's most valuable to me if he can use it to extend plays and, as you mentioned, keep his eyes downfield. The yes. two-point conversion is a perfect example. Yeah. Break the defense down that way and then throw the ball. Don't just run it. And you know that's last stick, resort. Right? Stick the ball out, and it's a two-yard gain instead of a sack. Okay, that's better. But there was maybe a bigger play to be made. Don't just throw it away automatically. Mm-hmm. If you get outside and you're on the move, now you you've got the advantage. Yes, in, unless there's three guys bearing down on you. Yeah, but I mean it's hard to plaster as a defensive back at that point, and you're not. There's no more route concepts, and it's all improv. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because the Saints game, I was very critical of Pickett in the pocket. 
dropping his eyes, running too much. They had six sacks, but they didn't really even rush the passer that well. You know, he was running into sacks. He, he was, you know, the dropping the eyes thing was really worrisome for me. And a lot of my pit buddies said he did that pretty much until his last year at pit and did it zero his last year at pit. Well, since then, he's been phenomenal from the pocket. So I think he recognized, hey, I, I fell into some bad habits there. I yeah. can't do that. And that's a big key for me is watching his eye level, his helmet, all those type of things. If he starts feeling the rush, sure, he's got the legs to get out of there and make a positive out of it, but that's not what the offense was designed to do, you know? And maybe the next step is that getting out, breaking the play down. You mm-hmm. know, Ben Roethlisberger excelled at that because when he would shed guys or get out on the wing, he wasn't doing it to run. He was pointing and looking. And right. He wanted – he wanted to get greedy there and, yeah, and really yeah, yeah. stick it to him. Now and, he might get behind someone for a 60-yarder. You know, right? You, you yeah. have a chance to do that with Kenny Pickett and then to throw one more uh, little bit of criticism onto his plate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got to be a little more accurate. And, and like some of the simpler throws early yeah. in the second half, the first play, he had Deontay Johnson again wide open. One hopped him the ball. Yeah, That was either a first down or second and one. You know, uh, just simply, he missed uh, Pickens in the end zone when he was wide open. Yeah, wide open. Didn't miss him by a ton, but that's a throw you got to make. And I know he's a rookie. I'm, I'm just bringing this up because these are the next levels of uh, ascension. Yeah, that's where he needs to get better. You know, and that's then you might see really a different guy and a different offense and a different team. When he misses, his accuracy within 10 yards is exceptional. And. There is a little bit of a misconception, I think, of Lamar Jackson a lot when I see this because when Lamar misses, it's ugly, <laughs> you know, but an incompletion is an incompletion. Kenny has some of that, though. Like, when he misses, it's like, wow, what was Just that? Just a bit outside. Right, right, he tried yeah, the corner right. and missed it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he hit the mascot, you know what I mean? So, twice. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have to admit, I, I know this is blasphemous, but I sometimes worry were the small hands thing a problem? You know, big, does it just come out of your hands wrong that day? I don't know. Is that, it's, I'm just open to the yeah. idea. I, yeah, I'm. I've seen it's him weird. Do, we saw him particularly the other night. He, the two balls he threw to Pickens that we detailed. Yeah, I mean those, and he talked about how those were low and away on purpose, and you know he put okay. them right where he wanted to, and Pickens went down and got mm-hmm. him. Well done on both ends. So keep doing that. Yeah. Uh, the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank reminds you to sack hunger. You can get food, volunteer, or donate at PittsburghFoodBank. Org. Pittsburgh Steelers preview on DV is brought to you by Univet. The only thing better than the Steelers win is a Steelers win that pays. Double down on your team with Univet, proud partner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. When we come back, we will get uh, knee deep or maybe neck deep into that aforementioned Atlanta Falcons running game. Merrill Hodge is going to have some things to say about that. With Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. This is Steelers preview on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that saying? with Some everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? 
Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Back to the Steelers preview show presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back to Steelers Preview. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you till 8 o'clock tonight on 102.5 DVE and SNR getting ready for the Steelers and Falcons on Sunday in Atlanta. Time now to welcome the third member of our team to the show, Merrill Hodge. And Merrill, uh, now that you're uh, joining us, I guess we look like the Atlanta backfield. Three guys out there plus the quarterback. and <laughs> we, can, we can all start moving around and lining up in goofy formations <laughs> and shifting and motioning. Uh, I asked uh, Terrell Austin, the Steelers defensive coordinator, about this Atlanta running game and how different it is and if he thought the Steelers could handle it. And he said, yeah, as long as we communicate, we'll be fine. <laughs> can they and will they be fine? <laughs> well, listen, I sometimes um, – well, let me start with this. They do a lot of things. At the end of the day, a lot of things in the backfield comes down to one thing. You got to control the line of scrimmage. Okay. At the end of the day, that's that's it in the running game. I don't care what they do. I don't care the counter they run. I don't care the outside zone, the inside zone, the read option. You have to control the line of scrimmage. So if you can't do that, I don't care what run they have. Now I'm I'm sure what he's referring to is because there's so many looks. Um. It gives you know. I'm sure they you know they've done their their homework. They have tendencies. You know, you have to be. Let's get the read option for example, because they do a lot of read options um, because of Mariota. Um, now Steelers have played this notoriously really well. The, what I always what I've seen to have the most success when you have some a quarterback that's going to sit there and read and he's got moment of hesitation or delay in the backfield. If you're going to believe, leave one of your players, and oftentimes he's your best player, it could be a T.J. Watt, unblocked, and he stands there, I've always thought that's insane. You have got an unfree defender. Why would you leave him standing there? Attack and, and decide how you want to attack. Do you want to force the handoff? What angle do you want to come at? Do I want to come at the quarterback and make him hand it off, or do I want to have him go on a flushing? and make him run and have somebody accounting, accounting for him. Now, personally, based on how they run, they got some good runners. I'd make Mariota hold the hand, hold the ball. Cause now he's got to, you know, he can't go vertically right away. He's got to go ladder a little bit before he gets vertically and you can have people to get there to him. Um, he's not the runner like Lamar Jackson is. So put it in his hands. Good runner though for a quarterback. Huh? No, no, no. He's not a bad runner. I think he's no, good, he's but no not stretch. special. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, but uh, those other runners, if they have things blocked up front, I mean, the kid from BYU, I mean, the kids that they, they, they run, I mean, they're thumpers now. I mean, and they're already downhill. They're, they're closer to the line of scrimmage is, is my point. I'd rather get a guy flushing the little lateral before he can get vertical and have somebody accounted for him. And it's usually a safety or, you know, a linebacker you might have spilling. Um, but handle, I mean, that's not their only run. I'm just talking a way to neutralize it. It's a good way to do that. Um, how they control – listen, they, they, the Colts, they did some good things at times. The Colts have a really good running game. Um, when they won the Raider game, what they had is an explosive play, like a 50- or 60-yard run. I can't remember how far it was. But it was a big run. Um, you know, they never gave that up. That's ultimately what you got to – you can't afford 
against the Falcons. You just can't let them gash you. Um, you have to neutralize that and key and, and control it the best you can and force them to what they don't do well. And that is, you know, throw the football because they throw the football with so much run action and play action that that just helps their passing game if their running game is really, really effective. Now, that being said, people can still do um, throw the ball with run action and play action without running it very well. That, that is always a, um, a misnomer, like, oh, you got to run the ball to do run action. That's absolutely completely wrong. I can't tell many games I've watched where a team has not run it at all and they do a hard run action and they – they had a bomb for 60 yards on you because everybody committed to the run. <laughs> you know, and they had to run the ball the entire time. I'm just saying they, they they work better as an offense when both of those things are functioning. You know, if you neutralize their running attack and they're constantly second long and third and long, they're just not equipped to win in the passing game um, against you. I mean, that's ultimately what the Steelers want to do is put them in that position. you got to beat us with the passing game. You can't let them – Control this game, run the football. I think everything hinges on that in this in this game. There's that's how clear cut this game is from the Steelers' perspective. If they can neutralize their running game, then they'll beat them. I 100% agree. That's the key to any game that I've watched this year or previewed this year. And Merrill, yeah. this morning I read that the Falcons' offense is seeing the highest percentage of zone coverage of any offense in the league. And that adds up to me. Do you think that's the approach? Cause they don't have a lot of great route runners or, you know, I, I think you can kind of just play pretty basic stuff in coverage. Well, and, plus the quarterback runs. You can't, you can't have you your back keep to eyes him. on him as well. You know I mean? I think you play a heavy yeah. dose of zone. Yeah. You know, I mean, you keep eyes in the backfield. Um, you know, now, now I say that, you know, and I'm just thinking through this, this process because they listen, they lose their tight end. You know, he's a dynamic player. So that's one less guy that is, could be a real issue and makes place for them. Um, why, um, why wouldn't I man up? Why wouldn't I man up? And, um, and then I count for the runner in that process. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll account for the runner with my man concept. So I can take that RPO action. And well, listen, that, you know, we can sit there and, and talk about what is probably the best. At the end of the day, nobody – I've never seen a defense do one thing the entire game. You know, there will always be a mixture. And the one thing I, I tell you the Steelers have done a really good job of – I'll use Miami for an example. You know, conceptually the way they played them – shoot, and I, I'll take Tampa. Um, Tampa and the Saints, quite honestly. Because there's some, been some good game plans the defense has, has put together. They, they've always kind of had a really good – recipe or a club a, a plan for what an offense does well so look the miami dolphins what they did is they had they played a lot of man coverage and pressed those wide receivers on the outside which is not talked about that much because they lost the game but cincinnati did it as well the teams that have done that have neutralized that offense you know, everybody goes wow oh, that's speed i'm like okay that, that's exactly what you don't want to do is give them free access <laughs> that's, the kid, that's the wrong thinking like, get in their face because the quarterback does have massive flaws. When he has to reconnect, I mean, reset his feet, he's just not very good. We've got to push that ball down the field and reset his feet. He's just terrible. Just was how he was in Alabama. Now, you, you don't, then he, he dices people up. So that being said, like, I, I can see Atlanta. I mean, I feel good about my matchups. And press those guys. Account for that quarterback. They throw me an RPO. I got an answer for him. We forced the handoff. We know who's going to keep the ball. And we know where our runner's going to be. It's not a this is, it's not a guessing game. It's not a read game. My defender who's unblocked, you go get that runner. Tackle the running back. 
force the handoff, and then we have somebody account for that quarterback on the spill. Merrill, the other you know, thing is the ball. So the other thing that's a little different about the uh, Falcons' approach is just the number of guys they throw at. You know, I'm you know I'm an well, old true. guy. I'm an old guy. I used, I was taught you know running back sometimes need some carries to heat up, and then once yeah. the guy gets going, and and you know Derrick Henry's better in the fourth quarter than the first after he's on carries 19, 20, 21, people don't want to tackle him anymore. But they seem to have all the same kind of guy. Like you mentioned Tyler uh, Algier, the kid from BYU, is a thumper. Uh, Cordero yeah, Patterson a yeah. is a much different yeah. body type, but uh, he run, Terrell Austin said I'm today hard. that he runs angry. I mean, these yep. guys hit it up in there. They, they're looking to run you over. Correct. Right. You know, they get a full house to your point. You know, they'll put three guys in the backfield and do some misdirection. And, you know, any one of them are a viable option to pound away at shit, you know. And and then, listen, we're, we're kind of even forgetting where they're – they do a good job up front, too. Mm-hmm. They really do a good job of getting people moved and get people to counter for. They work well together. You know, that's where it starts. They get movement. I go back to the line of scrimmage. You know, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't care what kind of – run your running we got to control it at the line of scrimmage you always have to control the point of attack you can't give them you know an access point you got to neutralize that you know no matter where that access point is that's why controlling the line of scrimmage in football is like that's where your war zone if offense controls it they win the game if the defense controls it they control the opponent so if you're both going to do that you know the odds you're going to win the game are pretty pretty significant so that's why I go back to, you know, um, at the end of the day, no matter if they're running the counter, an RPO, outside zone, inside zone, man, you just can't get moved. you got to control that line of scrimmage. Um, and if you do that on uh, on a majority of the plays, you're never going to do I've never seen anybody do it the entire game. You know, just the, the other team is good, too. I mean, they're pros. And they, they get paid for it, too. So, um, Speaking of which, Merrill, I forgot, I forgot I wanted to, upon introducing you tonight, I wanted to thank you for Thanksgiving night because I watched the first two games, thought I had a pretty good handle on those. As it turned out, I did. Uh, (laughs) We got to Minnesota and New England, and I really wasn't sure what to make of that game, and I had this voice in the back of my head saying, never underestimate a professional who's been embarrassed. And I thought, thought, boy, the Vikings just got smoked at home last time out. I bet it doesn't happen again. So thanks for that. That's very true. You're exactly. Anytime I can help you, brother. Appreciate you. I, I, I just never lose sight of that. And, and how? Because I've been there. I've been in an embarrassing situation. And um, that week of work, there's a lot more. Uh, you pay attention to detail. Um, I never lose. I never lose sight of how the you know, regardless of records. Like okay, let's say a team right now that you would not want to play is the Detroit Lions. Okay, a month ago. That team, you know, you talk about having bad luck. Uh, the, the ball never bounced their way. But they do some things fundamentally that are really good. Like they run the football with fish. I don't know anybody that haven't really run good line. since Dan Campbell. Yeah, since Dan Campbell got there. Okay, maybe one game in a year and a half. Maybe one. Um, so they do that aspect of it. And but defensively, they, they, they lay like they're like the, the, the bad news bears at the back in the, on the back end. Um, they get down score territory. They're the bad news bears. And all of a sudden that stopped. And now they're like, holy cow. Like they could be an interesting team for the rest of the year. Actually, if they went out, they could be in the playoffs, which would be nuts. Yeah. But I just, I just, you know, just cause of their records bad, man, that doesn't mean, you know, I don't think a lot of people know Atlanta. And I think, you know, most people think, well, we're probably better than them. 
even though we're struggling, we're, you know, we can beat them. And not if you can't control this, what we're talking about. I am telling you this. They, that's how they beat San Francisco. They hammered San Francisco. They, they controlled the entire game against San Francisco. Now they got some turnovers, which, you know, you nobody can predict those. But they completely controlled the environment against the San Francisco 49ers when they rolled in there. And Merrill, do you agree, though, if the Steelers do a, an adequate or above-average job against the run, get these guys in some third and longs, that Atlanta is about the least threatening passing game in the league right now without Pitts? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's no doubt. That's what I'm saying. You're like, yeah. you can, that's why I like when, when we're talking about man. You know, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, listen, there's ways to get your eighth guy in the box with zone, too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I know that. You can, you know, bring, you can do a lot of stuff with zone. Um. I'm just saying that, you know, which I think you're spot on, and I'm sure that we'll see this schematically, you know, how they're going to go about it. There's going to be, there's going to be people in that box. You know, you're not going to see safeties 20, 15, 20 yards deep. You know, they're going to probably be shallower. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so that's another thing, you you know, the depth of people won't be the same. Yeah. Edmonds did a lot of that uh, in Indianapolis, did he not? Yeah. I'll tell you this. Millette. I'm going to tell you this. He had to come in the box one time. Actually, I did my playbook tonight for the Steelers um, playbook show that that I do. And by that dude, had they came in with the right receiver as the second tight end, okay? And then they tried to run an outside zone to him. And I'm going to tell you this. Like, if you ever want to teach how you set the edge, use your feet, hips, and hands, separate and get to the ball carrier, <laughs> That kid was—it was unbelievable how he played, yeah, how he how he handled the run when he got in the box. You see, you need people like that. You know, you need the guys—they want to bring in the box and they think that's an advantage. Like, like from a player, I would tell you this: if we have a an even front, like where's the we would go to the safety side versus the linebacker. We just want the smaller guy. You know, we want the guy who that doesn't play down play down there as much. You know, you're always trying to go to that guy. And I'm sure they balance the formation out and they're like, let's go there. And they believe their wide receiver could handle him. He got destroyed, you know. So if you can get guys in the box like that, like Millet, he just comes in there to play now. You know, some DBs don't, mm-hmm. but he does. You know, they got their DBs. They come in and from, I can't think of many of them that don't, don't tackle well and won't go in there and, you know, get in the thick of things, um, which I think you're going to see a lot of that. You're going to try to have a lot of people around that box and, you know. And they listen, they've done some great things too from a schematic aspect of blitzing. You know, they've done a lot of right. Not that I detailed every team in this league, but I, they're probably one of the better teams at run blitzing. And a lot of that does not talked about a lot. You know, I don't think pe- some people know that you can run blitz. I mean, there's that is legitimately, you know, part of game planning is run blitzing, especially if you have a tendency and you see something. And man, you penetration is the number one kill in the running game. We used to say that forever. I, and it is true. If you can get that done, you define where the runner goes, and now you can get to him easier. So I would expect a lot of that too. So, because I think you guys are spot on. This is where it all comes down. This is this entire game hinges on that. If it's a clean game, there's no turnovers. Mm-hmm. This is exactly where it hinges. The other thing I think, uh, and maybe I'm uh, seeing something that's not there, but I'm starting to believe in that Steelers offensive line a little bit and their running game. Yeah, I'm and it too. I, I think this is maybe the offense they envisioned all along: be able to run the football and then it pl- yeah. pass plays off of that. Don't turn it over. And uh, win games. Yeah, well, I, I completely agree. Offensively, from the running perspective, they have played much better. Now they're still struggling on the tackle position and passing downs. You know, there's just there's just too many 
it's too much pressure and there's too many, you know, hits and sacks from that, from both sides. You know, that has to clean up. If that could clean up to the level they've cleaned things up in the running game, then they got a lot of things. Then, then, they, then they can be dangerous, you know, because you're starting to see that, you know, from every aspect of it as a running. And when you do that, you just, you know, I, I guess because they've struggled so much, and this team's probably easier to see it. Like when you do run the football, that is why controlling the tempo and the running game is a dictator. It controls the game and the environment. As a play caller, it's just so much easier to call plays. It neutralizes what the defense can do, and therefore I can expose you easier. But when we can't do that in the second and third and long all the time, and it is just – I know very few teams that ever really function and win out of those circumstances. I can't even think of any. I know there's a couple, maybe games happen, but not on a consistent basis. Merrill, uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to this game. I kind of, oh, yeah. I, I kind of like yeah, watching Atlanta be, play. I, uh, yeah, no nonsense. Because they're a good team. That's a, they're a good. They're, they are a good team. They're just not explosive. They don't have a lot of phases to their offense and defense. So that's why they want to play. They, they, they want a fist fight at the fifty. That's exactly what they want. If they get a fist fight in the fifty, then you know, and listen, it's anybody's game. If they can't do that, then then the Steelers win this game. Well, you know what? Little of that, you know, in the year of five wides and throw it all over the yard, a fist fight every once in a while, I, I, think, <laughs> I think is refreshing. Merrill, we'll talk to you next I'm week. For it. All right, guys. Go Steelers, man. See you guys. <laughs> Take care, man. Merrill Hodge. And, uh, boy, I knew he was going to really uh, tail that, that up. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, the concept of, you know, spreading the wealth and sharing the carries, it, it seems kind of counter to me, but it, it works for them. Oh, I mean, and, they don't have the Derrick Henry that they want. Yeah. So they. Build one, you know, and, with and I think guys. Patterson is fascinating to me. It's an uh, amazing career he's had. They, but they line him up in the backfield. They line yeah. him up in the slot. They line him up at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And the way he runs, I, I forget um, who was doing the game. Uh, I think it was the Fox game when they played Washington. But the description on the outside zone or the stretch stuff was he approaches that like a kick returner. Oh, when, I can see that. When That's he sees the it. gap, he just fires through it, and uh, he looks to run. Run you over. Oh, well, unbelievable. And he's um, capable of doing that. He has frustrated coaches forever because they've always tried to make him a wide receiver and have yeah. him run precise routes, and that's not really what he is. And Atlanta was smart enough to do exactly what you did. He's one of the and, toughest speed guys I've ever seen. Yeah, and, and he is thick and strong. And I, I mean, I know it's a long time ago, but Google his, his highlights at Tennessee. They're unbelievable. I mean, like he's almost impossible to get on the ground. Uh, look for number 84. He's going to be all over the place on Sunday, and uh, he will find uh, the Steelers' defense. Uh, gear up with the latest sideline apparel hats or jerseys of your favorite players. Authentic memorabilia, custom items, and exclusives you can only find directly from the team at one of the official Steelers Pro Shops. Those are located at Acrisure Stadium, Grove City Premium Outlets, or Tanger Outlets. You can also visit us online at shop.steelers.com. One more segment to go as we continue getting you ready for the Steelers and the Falcons with Matt Williamson. I'm Mike Persuda. This is Steelers Preview on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers Preview Show presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back, Mike Persuda and Matt Williamson with you here on Steelers Preview tonight until 8 o'clock on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. We're getting you ready for the Steelers and the Falcons, but before we continue doing that, Matt, I know this is your 
absolute favorite part of the program. Uh, Yin's chat. It's the uh, Steelers predictive and trivia game. You can answer questions, make picks, and win prizes. Play on your own against Steeler Nation in our new public group or create your very own private group to compete against family and friends. You can play Yin's chat exclusively in the Steelers official mobile app. And uh, tonight's question regarding Sunday's game, who has more tackles for the Steelers, Cam Hayward or Devin Bush? Bush. It just the position lends itself to a lot more tackles. It better be, right? I mean, that should be the answer every week. You know, I mean, Cam's a better player. I get yeah. that. Um, off the air, we were talking briefly. Bush played every snap last week when Swiss yeah. Belaine out, and I thought he held up well in all packages. I thought that was encouraging. Yeah, he even played the dime. Yeah, I thought they, once. I thought they were going to scrap that, and uh, I'm not sure how many snaps they used it, but they did use it some. Mm-hmm. I bet there won't be much of that this week, though. It's heavy <laughs> personnel. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. Uh, I'm curious. I thought Merrill made a great point uh, talking about the Miami game, and you know there have been times this season where they have made some defensive adjustments, oh, yeah. and maybe they didn't get highlighted because things weren't working anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think it's been a real. It maybe hasn't showed up on the stats or in the final result, but as dumb as this sounds, I think it was a real asset to get Brian Flores, Terrell Austin, and Mike Tomlin all working together. I 100% agree. For the right. defensive plan. I mean, no you, doubt. They, they throw a lot at you. I think they're difficult to play against. and They're they're now quite healthy on that side of the ball. They disguise things well. A lot of late rotations, things like that. This will be an interesting game, though. This is a heck of a lot different than playing Miami. Yeah. Well, you can only scheme so much, and uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, the Atlanta defensive staff can appreciate that statement. Oh. Right about now, I made a list of uh, impact uh, players on that Falcons defense, guys that really get my attention, and I really you didn't worry run out about. of ink there. I don't think uh, the list is uh, <laughs> Brady Jarrett. That's the tweet. I got two. <laughs> okay. I, I think AJ Terrell's a really good young corner too, and he was hurt for a little bit of the season. Jarrett's the Geno Atkins three technique upfield guy. They just gave him a lot of money. Getting a little up in age though. Um, uh, my favorite stat of this whole situation I told you before the game was, or before the show, T.J. Watt had more sacks than the Falcons last year, and they're not much better this year. Yeah, <laughs> it, Grady Jarrett is leading Atlanta with five and a half sacks, okay. and he plays in the middle of the defensive line. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a problem. Yeah. But he, he can beat double teams. He can penetrate. Yep. He can uh, anticipate really well. Point. Yeah. But almost like um, a hockey player who gets to the spot, he, he seems to anticipate runs to me. Mm, he, okay. he doesn't chase the guy he knows where goes where be. the ball's going yeah okay that makes sense and uh smart player still yeah. a really good player but the rest of this ugh. um a lot of no names a lot of retreads you know guys that couldn't start elsewhere i hate to say it this way because i think they're a well-coached team and we really stressed the offense they are a very untalented roster <laughs> and yeah. their, their most talented guy is kyle pitts who they couldn't get the football and he's out the other one's Drake London. They haven't, yeah. got, they haven't got it to him. This year's number one. They haven't got the ball to him a ton either. He had two catches against Washington last Sunday. Now, that game was played in rainy, miserable, no, no, sloppy yeah. conditions, so maybe that was a factor. Uh, he hasn't had more than 40 yards since week three. Nine straight games, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, he, he does he's good. 41 catches for 438 yards and four touchdowns on the season. But, mm-hmm. well, you got to get your number one pick more than 40 yards once in a while, don't you? Absolutely. He was the first receiver taken. He's as good as Pickens. I mean, he's a big, strong guy. He's, he's you know, a, a very good prospect. Looked great the first couple games of the season. And they just don't throw the ball well or often. Yeah, Mariota struggles. Uh, he's had a couple of games where he's looked 
okay, but okay. only a couple. And a couple of these looked really bad. A couple of these looked really bad. But you know what? All that aside, he's got three game-winning drives. Mm-hmm. This year, the Falcons always play close games, almost always. Oh, yeah. More than any team in the league. They played nine one-score games. It's and he almost he yeah. almost had a fourth. Uh, he got him down to the two-yard line in Washington, and then they got a tip pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was trying to get the ball to Patterson yeah. coming across the formation. But uh, you, you are going to have to deal with these guys. It's going to be an all-day thing. Yes. And you can't blink. No, I mean, they can't blink mentally. You can't blink physically. Physically, too. And again, that worries me a little bit. Short week on the road is fatigue a factor in the fourth quarter because it's probably going to be close. They're still going to be running it, and they run hard. And even if they're not super talented on defense, they don't lay down on defense either. You know, I mean, again, they're building an attitude there. Last thing I got on the Falcons, uh, two can play at their game. Washington ran the ball as well. Exactly. And, uh, Washington ended up 176 yards on 37 carries, Matt. That's 4.8 per. Mm-hmm. In the first half, it was 12 for 44, 3.7. In the second half, when Washington just took that game over, I think, yeah. it, was, I think it was 10-10 at halftime, 25 carries for 132 yards, a 5.3 average. I mean, that's a good game. It's a good game. And they yeah. did that in the third second and half. fourth quarters. Yeah. There's really not much mystery to this game uh, in terms of breaking it down. You have to stop their run game. A great way to do it is kind of like you mentioned to start the show. Control the clock. Time of possession has been great. No big returns on in special teams. That worries me quite a bit as well. And don't lose a turnover battle by more than two. I mean, if you're minus one, I can live with it. But you, know, you start doing goofy things or penalties, you're going to let these guys hang around. Is this, you know, Atlanta's not a great team, but no. uh, not an awful team. Is this a litmus test? For the Steelers' allegedly improved run defense yeah. and for an offense that appears to be getting it together. I think so, because I don't think the defense is very challenging that they're playing. They, I think they can have success through the air and especially the ground. And the defense, CRD, is going to be tested by this ground game. I mean, we've said that for an hour straight, you know? Yeah, I don't think we can emphasize that enough. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the whole key, right? If you haven't seen Atlanta... It's strange. play this year. You're going to be watching this game. Thing. What are, they're still running the? What are they doing? Like, yeah, it's a, they don't play it like anybody else. They're doing their own thing. They're doing <laughs> their own thing, and they're a half game out of first place somehow. <laughs> Steelers preview on DV is brought to you by Unibet. The only thing better than a Steelers win is a Steelers win that pays. Double down on your team with Unibet, proud partner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks to IU Jake uh, behind the glass for keeping us on the air. Thanks to you for finding us, however, and wherever you found us. Until next week, for Merrill Hodge and Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. This has been Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody. 
and every body. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.